the more that we can have quiet and stillness, the more we're able to feel and see God. Hey everybody, I'm Ashley. And I'm Kristen. And I'm Meredith. We want to welcome you to Inspired Conversations, the podcast study of the book Inspired, Slaying Giants, Walking on Water, and Loving the Bible Again by Rachel Held Evans. The book is available in paperback and audio, so please follow along with us. Even if you aren't reading along, I think you'll still find this conversation beneficial and entertaining on your faith journey. Today, we're going to dive into a discussion around the chapter, The Debate, and wisdom stories. <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> some wisdom's not going on on no. here. No. We have no wisdom. No wisdom. Maybe some knowledge. Yeah. I mean, I feel I feel good that I that I read this chapter. That is my <laughs> I'm happy to say that I read it. Yes. This this was a rough one. I know that lots of people sitting at this little table that we're at uh don't love this chapter of the Bible. That, yeah. That this, oh, the Job. Yeah, about the Job. <laughs> the Job. The Job. And <laughs> yeah. not, again, from Arrested Development. Job. No, not no. Job Blue. Job for from Job. the Bible. <laughs> yeah, it's just, there's really no way to make Job on its surface happy right. or good or anything that's not just kind of depressing. Right. It's it hard felt, to get jazzed about Job. It mm. felt a little bit more lighthearted than last week, though. Is that because it's less sad or because they did less description on how his whole family perished? Didn't they get crushed by a tent? Yeah, didn't the wind blow over and they all oh, got crushed in a tent? Oh, it was a big a party. Tent? Yeah, it was like a big party they were having. They all suffocated they all, in a tent? all died. Aw, that's yeah. just like, what? All right, so let's, let's dive how in. How big was this tent? Let's, that's sweet, God. Let's, uh, <laughs> so in this week's story, the debate is based upon the book of Job. But let me give us a little bit of background about what it means to be a wisdom story. And I'm going to use mostly Rachel Held Evans' words. In the Protestant Bible, the book of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon are generally grouped together and categorized as wisdom literature. Wisdom literature can take the form of short didactic insights, as in the book of Proverbs, or poetry, as in the book of Psalms and Song of Solomon, or story and soliloquy, as in the book of Job and Ecclesiastes. The Bible's wisdom literature includes everything from admonitions against getting drunk to erotic poetry that would make E.L. James blush, to ruminations of a wealthy sage suffering an existential crisis, to an acrostic poem extolling the virtue of an excellent wife. Man, those are in Rachel Held Evans' words. Yeah, <laughs> she's some 12-letter some words, some 12-point yeah. words there. So that's the wisdom oh, stories. Man. Okay, so uh, now that we know that Job is part of the wisdom literature, we're going to give a little overview of that, and we're not going to use as many 12-point words, 12-letter <laughs> words this time around. We're going to be dumbing this down because Job's pretty depressing. So, And Kristen wrote it. <laughs> That was not a statement against Kristen. No, we just we just don't want to spend more time here than we have to. <laughs> we want to move on. Yeah. Okay, Job was a man who did everything right. Even God referred to Job as a righteous man. He basically had it all. Great family, wealth, his health, all the things. But then one day, when God was hanging out with all the heavenly beings... Satan, or the accuser, came to God and basically said that the only reason that Job is loyal is because God has blessed him and he hasn't seen hardship. So God gave Satan permission to inflict suffering on Job, and Satan was convinced that Job would then turn away from God. Aw, that's nice. Mm. 
Now, back on Earth, horrible things were happening to Job. His whole family gets killed, he loses his livelihood, develops some really bad skin problems, and then enter Job's friends. There are three of them who are all convinced that Job must have sinned or done something bad in order to have all of this suffering put upon him. Job wasn't buying it. He didn't believe that his sins caused any of this to happen to him, which we know is true based on the conversation we heard from God and Satan. Job is on an emotional roller coaster. One minute he believes God is fair and just, another minute he's cursing the day he was born. Finally, God comes down to talk to Job. God doesn't give him a straightforward answer as to why Job's sufferings happened, but God does show him how God's hands are in all the details of every tiny thing that is part of the universe, from the birth of a baby deer to the rise and fall of the sun, and even to the creatures that may provoke fear. All of God's creation is good. God rebukes Job's friends for not speaking the truth, and eventually Job's health and wealth are restored. Through his experience, Job learns to trust God in the good and in the bad. That's good. Poor Job. That's a good summary. Mm. Yep. That's it's great. just a really weird story. <laughs> so I'll say, so the first time a couple of years ago, I was like, I'm going to read this Bible. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I did one of those like New Year's resolution, mm-hmm. January apps in the Bible, and then yeah. things were going well. And then I got to Job. Mm-hmm. And then I read Job, and then I stopped reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just so hard. And like I got through the violent part. Right. But for some reason, thinking that God had a hand in letting these things happen... That was really hard for me. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I love, you know, like at the end, it's like, oh, but he gets a family again and he gets, but not his original right. family. They're still dead. Right. Like- I have so many questions. <laughs> I mean, you know, I feel like when we when we did our first episode, we talked about like stories that bothered us or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this was my story. Remember? What is the wife upgrade like? Like, what's the return policy on a wife? Because did did she have more features? Was she like better at cooking bread and pasta than mm-hmm. the previous wife mm-hmm. i mean she was she, definitely does, the same age as the first wife i mean she's wearing high heels and some cute dress when you come home I with a cocktail in hand That's what... i mean so i don't know like look lots of people get remarried after they either like lose a spouse or leave one but like uh it's not a replacement it's not a replacement yeah i mean this just feels like a you know it's funny. It reminded me for some reason. Okay, not funny. But whenever we we used we used to have two dogs. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna bring the crowd down. Don't worry. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> so we had to say goodbye to one of the dogs. Right. And Lila at the time was six, and she goes, "Well, at least we have the other." And I was like, "Uh, it's not really the same. Yeah. Though. Right. Like, yeah. it's just hard in your heart." So I don't. I doubt Job was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm cool now." Yeah, I'm good. We get I get new kids. Yeah. Forget my old ones. Like, uh, no, that's not a thing. Which again, to my previous comment, they died in a tent? The di- what big I mean, okay, look, I actually know the answer to this. I'm acting like oh god. Okay. But these tents were just huge giant bolts sure. of fabric held sure. up by poles and like tenting like ancient desert tenting things. And so yeah, if it all collapsed on you at one time probably be not ideal yeah i think it was a storm or something right yeah a storm blew in essentially like they got hit by a tornado and you know it's good 
Yeah. God gets creative. Oh, jeez. But it wasn't God. It was Satan. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Satan. <laughs> oh, I have included Satan. everyone in. <laughs> Sidebar. If you go to the Bible Project and listen to their video on the book of Job, they pronounce uh, Satan as Satan. Satan. So. I think they're trying to not have people, you know, think that it's Satan the devil. Right. The capital like, S. We'll, we'll give him a different name so that he sounds a little bit cooler oh, and less gosh. evil. So what do you guys think? So, okay, so Rachel Held Evans then does this really kind of midrash way of, Mm -hmm. they call it the debate. And so instead, it's these teachers. Job is, I believe she says, a humanities teacher sitting there in the cafeteria. And Job has lost his family in another horrific way. But she brings it to this century. And then his buddies all kind of gather around similar to the Job story. But they're using words like, well, you reap what you sow. Yeah. God can't give you more than you can handle. What do you guys think about all of that stuff? It was so relatable. Oh, it was totally. it made me feel sick because like not only have we been friends with someone when something tragic happens and you have no idea what to say, but you've been I mean especially us who work in the church, we've been around for when people say the absolute wrong thing that is deemed like a religious platitude that is you know someone you know, losing a family member. Well, God just needed another angel. Oh and it's like, that is not, it is both harmful. <laughs> and just piss poor theology. It is trash, as <laughs> Reverend Chris Dowd would say. That is trash. Trash theology. Trash. Put it in the trash. I think yeah. he needs a podcast called Trash. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he does. Well, in uh, my mind, because I'm a nerd, as we've discovered. Uh, so Resident the, nerd. The resident Meredith nerd McBride. here. <laughs> Fun facts with Meredith. The Greek word for debate is agon which is oh. where we get the word agony oh. and that's what i felt when i was reading this I'm like this is horrible i know you just want to <laughs> punch his friends horrible i know i mean it just got worse like and it's funny because it's just like a real like unproductive religious argument where mm-hmm. just the longer you go usually the more personal and more offensive it gets oh yeah <laughs> yeah and we talked a little bit this morning about well why why are they saying these things to him? And mm-hmm. like one of the things I think is that they're giving reasons why hopefully it is not going to happen to them. Yeah, they're right. like, since I'm not sinning or I'm not doing bad things, this horrible stuff can't happen to me. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's not really about comforting Job. It's about comforting themselves. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's also, it's funny that we, this is the topic because I've just noticed some Facebook friends of mine from years past who have been posting some like you know like stuff like this yeah yeah like this kind of everything has meaning thing which you know look asterisk to this ashley believes in blessings but if you get something and somebody else didn't doesn't that mean well it's 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 why i hate when people uh, say like you know hashtag blessed i'm so blessed we're you know we're so blessed to be in america and it's like okay so what about the rest of the world god just doesn't care about them god cares about you but not about them god sat Mm -hmm. there and said you know what you Mm -hmm. susan Mm -hmm. deserve this more than this other person does Mm -hmm. like that is one of my biggest pet peeves well and there's this really good book that reagan we just did Reagan's Monday Morning Women's Bible Study. That's called, um, it's by Kate Bowler. She's a Duke professor mm-hmm. in their divinity school. And it's called Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's so true because we go on this journey with her. She's a young mom who struggled to through infertility. So we talked to that. And then she gets diagnosed with terminal cancer. Mm-hmm. And people are saying things like everything happens for a reason. And it's like, I don't. 
she's like, I don't believe God gave me cancer. Right. And there's a bigger purpose out of this. Mm -hmm. And so it just, it's a really enlightening book if anyone's interested in diving more into around that. Because she just goes on, like people even said to her husband when they're dropping off like casseroles, like... God only gives you what you can handle. Right. And that's the one that I underlined in this debate part is one of Job's friends or not Job, but Job in the debate Mm -hmm. uh, says, you know, don't worry, God only gives you what you can handle. And the number of times that I think we have all heard that Mm -hmm. it's not helpful. Yeah. It is not helpful. We had we had no. someone this morning say that she to her, she said to her, it is helpful because it makes it feel makes her feel like there's some hope. Yeah. Like I can get through this. Mm-hmm. And I, I think our when we came back around to it, it was it depends on how it's used. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. Um, if you are talking to someone like if if someone is going through a divorce and I go to them having gone through a divorce and say, well, first of all, I would never say God only gives you what you can handle. But essentially, you're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. Right. I've been there. I know how much mm-hmm. it's, you know, how horrible it is. It'll be okay. That's a little bit better than going to someone who loses a child and oh. saying, God only gives you what you can handle. Or God need another an angel. Oh, good Lord. But like, no, that's BS. That's well, not how it works. And I've heard from a lot of people how this turns them away from God. Absolutely. And church when people say like that, because they just can't believe in that rhetoric or that theology mm-hmm. that their God would act this way. Right. And I think I have a hard time with um, the Job story because it feels like uh, God's just letting things happen. Mm -hmm. But I think the writers are also trying to tell us a really good message, which is people don't do, you don't do bad things and bad things happen to you. Right. Right. So you can't look at someone who's had a hard life and been Mm -hmm. like, well, what kind of sins to happen to you? So I appreciate that message through all of the murk and Mm -hmm. muddleness. And you can see that it was still needed because even in the Old Testament, you had people believing that, you know, the man born blind must have sinned Mm -hmm. or his parents must have sinned for him to be born that way. So even across, you know, from whenever Job was written into Jesus's time, this was still a prevalent enough um, way of thinking about bad things happening to people. So Mm -hmm. I I get that that is an essential um, nugget to take away from this story. But it's just infuriating how many people only take away the platitudes and then don't, as Ashley said earlier, don't read the rest of the book. Yeah, it's crazy because, um, you know, especially because this is a story that I found uncomfortable. I haven't read it in a long time. But it's funny. And, you know, as a as a helpful like homework, going back and reading the platitudes that the two, the three friends share are indeed things that end up on Facebook posts. Mm-hmm. And are and, in the Bible. And are in the Bible. In other ways. Yeah, yeah. And are elsewhere. And the whole point of the story is that God literally shows up and goes, shame on you, shame on you, shame on you. Mm-hmm. Everything that you're just saying has nothing to do with my man, Job. And yeah. so it repeating any of that, you know, air quotes wisdom, you know, we're talking about those people thought they were sharing wisdom. Right. Right. Like they thought not just explaining their position versus Job's or position of the world, but like those are things that parents and grandparents and friends share with you because they think that it's going to help. Like, but this like cosmic divine karma. Right. <laughs> that isn't real. It's not. But I feel like it's because we all struggle for an explanation. Like everybody wants, everybody wants to know why bad things happen. And as long as it's because one country made choices versus another, and that's why that one got hit by a tsunami, Mm -hmm. 
you know, I don't know about y'all's Facebook feed, but I've seen the whole like, oh, well, that's mm. why it it's it's a weird quandary we find ourselves in of like, I don't have a better answer. I don't. And, and especially for this story that feels very allegorical. This does not feel oh, like. Right. <laughs> Do I think that this literally happened? No. No. And that's why it's <laughs> wisdom is, literature. Yes, right. It's this not. Is, this it, is meant to teach us mm-hmm. not to be historical fact. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And I think the other point was that Job argues and you know, gets really sad and frustrated with God. Yeah. Angry. I mean, downright angry at God. And so have you guys ever been angry at God? Have you felt like it is okay to be angry at God? How did you guys grow up with that feeling? I think I shared in the first week that not because of any express um, statements, but just the way that I grew up, I felt like you never should question God. Mm -hmm. You should never get angry with God. You know, Mm -hmm. God is powerful and you are not. So let all things be. And I definitely grew up with a everything happens for a reason type of mentality because it was kind of comforting to me when bad things happened. I was like, okay, something good is going to come out of this. And it happened often enough for me to perpetuate that. Um, But when I think I was in middle school, I don't think I was in middle school and we had like a two year span between seventh and eighth grade where just a lot of stuff happened at once. We had uh, my baby cousin died. uh, My uncle died. We had a lot of unexpected deaths. Um, My dad lost his job. There was a lot of stuff that was thrown at us. And for me, I was at a very, very vulnerable uh, time in my life. 13 is not a... It's very formative years. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's not a great time for stuff like this to happen. Um, Oh, and I remember just being absolutely livid with God. Um, and kind of, you know, going through it all. And the the first thing that happened was my uncle died and I was like, okay, this is terrible. This is horrible. I'll get through it. And then my baby cousin died and it was, oh my gosh, this is even worse. And then my dad lost a job and then we had to move. And I mean, it was just, it all came crashing down to the point where I just was like, I remember sitting in my room, basically just railing on God and mm-hmm. saying not nice things and having this moment when I was done where it kind of like, like crouch like oh god please don't please don't like shoot me with a bolt of lightning or something i think you're supposed <laughs> you know, to get like, smoked right yeah Didn't we decide that this smote, morning <laughs> smited you're a moana uh, fan smite me almighty smiter uh, but i had that moment where i was like oh no i hope i didn't just do something really really wrong and of course obviously nothing happened mm-hmm. um and then uh, after a while my mom um i would talk to my mom about it and at the time she wasn't a pastor she is now um and she always kind of told me to imagine God as essentially when you're grieving, God is there grieving with you. God is there sitting next to you, listening to you be sad and trying to comfort you. Um, And I shared this morning because someone talked about God being a parent figure and um, some of the most intimate times with my parents and like bond forming times were the times growing up that I was being incredibly vulnerable with them Um, And sometimes angry and there was no retaliation. There was no anger. It was just them sitting with me and giving me a hug if I needed a hug or just saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you feel that way. I'm sorry. That's how that made you feel. Uh, Essentially, that sucks. And I'm here to be in it with you. It just when you're that vulnerable and you receive encouragement and love in return, it helps that bond form and grow. Yeah. Um. And so I think it's important that we allow ourselves to be, to not necessarily allow ourselves to be angry with God. I do think that needs to happen, but more than that, to be vulnerable with God and express 
what we need to express. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about this morning how God gave us all these feelings. Mm-hmm. And that um, actually someone had a wonderful, beautiful quote. Oh, I wrote it down. Okay, Meredith wrote Wait, it down. Wait, do you mean this one? Yeah. Yeah. So the quote was, and I have no idea where it came from. No, we don't. But we love it. But thanks to Susan. Yes. There is no perception without contrast. So mm-hmm. that just brought us up a lot of point about how you've got to know the pain to also be happy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like sitting in that anger with God and also knowing how to love God. I was thinking about how uh, when I was a kid, I feel kind of like you, Meredith. Like no one told me I couldn't be angry with God, but it kind of just felt like a feeling I wasn't allowed to have. Mm-hmm. Maybe more of anger in general. So that's a whole other issue. <laughs> but um, I remember instead of being angry, then I would just turn away from God. Mm, like, yeah. I'm just going to, that's fine. I'm mad at you. So give, give God the cold shoulder. I did. I gave yeah. him the cold shoulder. And that worked not at all. I didn't feel any better, the fact that I gave him a cold shoulder. But as I've gotten older, I feel very comfortable being like, that really stinks, God. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. And then, like you said, Meredith, like sitting in it with God and wrestling with God in it. And then us coming to a place that I just feel better and closer to him, actually. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm trying to think of an authentic time that I was really mad at God. And I'm having a really hard time coming up with it, actually. And it's not because things haven't happened that are bad. I think that my instinct in moments when things that are happening that are bad, I don't know, I'm trying to think of times that like uh, when my husband lost his job or like things that were just like really like sad. Like out of your control. Almost. Out of my control, seemingly unfair. Mm-hmm. I I have this tendency, and maybe this is because of this is how I was kind of encouraged to be or my relationship with God or whatever, I end up falling prostrate to God. And I'm just kind of like, I go into this weird place of just like, anything you want, please just don't let this happen. Please. Like, oh yeah. Like, like I'm just like, please, anything, anything I'll do anything. Bargaining. Please. I just, I'm, I want to put this out there. And so it's funny because I don't feel like I ever loop back around to being mad. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know why that is now that you say it. And maybe it is because I don't feel like God is a um a conduit for my discomfort with life. Like yeah. like in my in my faith I don't know. It's funny I've haven't yeah. It's a co- well, tough question to wrestle with. I can't nail a time down that yeah. I was like, screw you, God. Yeah. Most of the time I'm just like, What is happening? Yeah. <laughs> why? Yeah. Well and that's um that's a huge uh there are so many people, I mean, that's one of the biggest arguments that atheists use against there being a God is if there is a God, why does God allow children mm-hmm. to have cancer mm-hmm. and die? Mm-hmm. Like, what kind mm-hmm. of God is that? And there, I mean, there are so many yeah. people who devote their lives to trying to not come up with an explanation, but essentially develop theology around that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's, yeah, it's really hard. Yeah, I don't think we're going to answer this one today. No, no, y'all. no, I don't think so. <laughs> Man, I didn't tell you that's what I do in my spare time. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think there are answers. That's the discomfort. Oh, you know what's fun to talk about, though? Hmm. Let's talk about wisdom. Yeah, 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 yeah. How do you yeah. guys envision wisdom? What does that mean for you all? Hmm. I think of Gandalf. Yeah. I think of a wise old owl. I don't know. Maybe like How many licks roll. to get? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. How many licks to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll pop? Let me see. One, two, three. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. I think of, and you know, it's funny you bring up an old commercial, but like 
I think of things that last. Right. Like for whenever I read this question before the podcast, I was like, probably things that remain true mm-hmm. forever and ever. And, Amen. you know, mm-hmm. kind of things like opposites attract. Right. <laughs> like all these like. It's fact. Yeah. These things <laughs> that people say that I'm like, mm, yeah, well, opposites attract. You know, like everybody just kind of. <laughs> You think old wives is what yeah, she does. <laughs> Don't go swimming after you eat. <laughs> I really do, though. Not the pool. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, well, don't go, you know, don't go running into the high grass. You don't know what's in there. But it's like facts. Okay. But where that yeah. comes from, though, I think you're on to, I mean, <laughs> I think that wisdom comes with experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so often people try to pass wisdom down, which sometimes can happen. Right. But Kristen said this morning, <laughs> yeah. so often... You have to live it yourself. Yeah, you could tell someone like you're gonna get through this, or don't date that stupid guy. Yeah, exactly. But they've got to date the stupid guy to be like, shouldn't date stupid guy. Yeah, you were right. I know, yep. but you yep. gotta live through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also shared. I don't know what am I, I? I always find this funny where they say what knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, and <laughs> wisdom is knowing not to put it in your fruit salad yes so it's just it is that difference because on paper you can read as much as you want but if you don't live it you don't get it Mm -hmm. yep yeah it's really true how often i mean i remember as a kid everything my mom would say or my dad anybody i'd be like oh my gosh and i'd roll my eyes and tell myself i'm never gonna be like that Mm -hmm. and then i'm driving home with my 10 and a half year old daughter who's in the throes of prepubescent hormones right now (laughs) and has a hot head that she comes by naturally and she's you know flying off the handle about how mad she is at someone at school because they said something that was sexist this is a true story he was so (laughs) sexist and i'm gonna tell him and raising him right oh i know but (laughs) she was going off i'm gonna tell him tomorrow and i'm gonna blah 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 blah, and i'm sitting there listening kind of smiling to myself and i was like well honey i think probably you should just probably sleep on it. Mm-hmm. And then maybe tomorrow, if you still feel that way, we can talk about a way that you can calmly, you know, talk to him. And she's looking at me like I am insane. Mm-hmm. And I got out of the car and she went upstairs and I looked at my husband. And I said, oh, God, I've become my mother. <laughs> oh my God. But I remember doing that as a kid. Like my mom would tell me, calm down, sleep on it. And I go, yeah, OK, mom, like yeah, sleeping on it's going to help. Mm-hmm. OK. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the next day, how do you feel? better mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i realized maybe i misinterpreted that yeah you maybe know, i overreacted you, you gotta think? have at least two really good shower arguments though <laughs> oh with yourself yeah, but or with the person when you're getting ready and you're like <laughs> oh and you know what jerry I think that I uh, I am really good at shower arguments, <laughs> yeah, guys, yeah. and I'm good at post shower art, like post the argument. I should have said that, man. Oh, I could have, and then I hold it in for the next time because I'm wiser, exactly. so I'm better at arguing. You my husband has caught bridges. me. Yeah, my husband has caught me before, like making faces. I guess, and he's like, "Are you having an argument in your head?" <laughs> yeah. I'm like, guilty <laughs> but i'll be sitting there and i can't of course you can't hear my faces uh-huh. over the uh-huh. microphone but you know you can imagine can, lots of movement do y'all ever go back and have old arguments you've already had again oh absolutely like the memories of like fights you've had and you have that fight again yeah. and you re-say the thing you should have said i like reliving the ones i win though like oh, i'm like yeah, yeah. That was a good one, Kristen. Look at you go. <laughs> Zing. <laughs> Bada bing. I always remember the ones where I should have said something. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. it would have been so sweet if I had turned around slowly and looked at them and said the perfect thing yeah. and then walked away. Exactly. <sighs> okay, so wisdom. So that's yeah, what yeah, we, yeah. We're, we've got in these stories is some wisdom. Yeah. And she oh. talks a lot. Let's see. Let's pull up this. I think it's Proverbs that she 
gives an example of these two different pieces of wisdom that are side by side, but give the exact opposite advice. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, okay. It's on page 104, and it's Proverbs 26. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. And then immediately following, answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. <laughs> All right, guys. So are we answering him or are we not answering him? <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, this is just such an example of wisdom being circumstantial. Yes. And she talks about that, that part of a huge part of having wisdom is knowing when to say something and when not to. Right. Knowing, picking your battles, essentially. Yeah, it's it's really funny because it goes back to that thing she says uh, a couple chapters back about like if you're looking for yes. you know you can pull out scripture. That's why you can't just pick and choose which scripture you're pulling out. Right, you can't uh, you can't skip there. around. No, and yeah, you have to have the wisdom and the age to understand when. Okay, when am I going to answer this mm-hmm. fool? Well, and when in your lives, when have you seen? wisdom being circumstantial do you have examples of advice being helpful and true or maybe not so helpful and true hmm i know that a lot of the advice that my mom gave to me in high school about how to like go about my life applied to me but didn't apply perfectly to my best friend who was living with us at the time Mm. that you know there was this certain way that I needed to go about things and that made sense for me. But like retrospectively, if my best friend had done those things, like my mom had wisely told her to, I don't think she would be where she is today. You know, I think she needed like I wanted to go to school straight out of high school and she wanted to take a year off. And my mom was like, no, we got to go to school. We got to get, you know, the scholarships handled and this, that and the other. And my friend, much to my mother's chagrin, um, and I'm sure my mom still stands by. You know, I think she still should have done it. I'm sure that she would still say that. Sure. But um, and who knows what her life would be like. But knowing her now, she needed that time before she jumped right into the next thing. because She was in the middle of a whole thing with her own life. And so it, that wisdom applied well to me as her daughter. But to someone else, not as much. They needed to wait. Mm hmm. But I feel like that's, like, a lot of things. And that that is how, I guess, some, like, blanket statement wisdom can be pretty toxic. Like, we right. we now know that, like, not all kids should just go straight to college. Mm-hmm. Well, and we need to know. I know. I feel like my husband's, like, the girls need to go get a business degree. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, well, that might not be the best for them. Like, right. that was the best for you. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, don't get a liberal arts degree like me. Like, that's been super helpful. <laughs> I, I work in the church. <laughs> yeah. And I have a double major in English and history. So, not helpful at all. <laughs> makes sense. But, but I don't regret it because I loved what I learned. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what that makes me realize, now that we've said it this way, is that the wisest, the the wisdom we hand over are the things that work the best for us. That's a good point. Whether or not, which it makes it the ultimate circumstantial because yeah. you're basing your own wisdom off of what worked for you, but it's not necessarily going to work for the next person. No, and I think that's why it's important with our children to almost talk about why you've made the decisions. Right, yeah, Instead exactly. of just saying, like, this is what you should do. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, it's like a conversation around colleges and mm-hmm. right. what they want to do. Well, and teaching not just children but um 
ourselves and others to embrace adaptability mm-hmm. too. You know, I'm mm-hmm. thinking about the, yes. those blanket wisdom statements like don't go to bed angry. Oh yes. Which <laughs> sure in theory, that would be fabulous. But there are times where you just need to go to bed. Yeah. That's we like, don't need to talk about this anymore. This yes. is getting worse. I'm going to go to bed. Because like you even said, you told Eva to sleep on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you sometimes have got to process things. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I know me at three in the morning, still angry is mm-hmm. not going to solve anything. I couldn't solve at 10 p.m. Correct. Yeah. Put mm-hmm. me to bed. Correct. <laughs> Put me to bed. <laughs> Put me to bed. Feed me some food. Like, <laughs> But I mean, there, we need to be able to acknowledge that sometimes those wisdom statements mm-hmm. are wonderful but sometimes that does not apply to me right now mm-hmm. or that's great in certain circumstances this is not it mm-hmm. um well oh, wrapping wrapping back to what y'all talked about in the class you know the things that some people liked but feel toxic to others same song different yeah. tune it's it might be the perfect thing that someone needs to hear at some point but sure. it is also the worst thing to tell someone yeah in another circumstance. Right. And that's why what we were also talking about a lot this morning was how you need to leave space. Mm-hmm. And Job's friends really should have just sat there with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like create the space, sit there, sit in the sad, which yes. is so difficult. And I mean, later in the chapter, she talks about, um, I really made some notes on this one, guys. I underlined half the last <laughs> two pages. Um, but she talks about, the American tendency towards triumphal triumphalism, I think I said that right, of optimism. Um, and, you know, I feel like that is so true. Even in the most pure moment, I think that our inclination is to fix it, right? Yeah. Our friend is like so sad, feeling down, feeling like there's no future for them, whatever is happening. And you're like, okay, I got to dig into my wisdom and figure out the perfect thing to tell this person so that they leave this conversation better. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily what, possible. What needs to happen. Or what no. needs to happen. And mm-hmm. so it's so hard because sitting in it, you almost feel like a bad friend. Yeah. Because you're not giving advice. Right. You're not, right? But you don't like, feel like you're helping. Yeah. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. if I if I put myself in their shoes... Which we just said you can't always do that. But mm-hmm. sometimes at least you can know that, no, I would love to someone just sit and mm-hmm. let me be sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I try now as I've gotten older to just say a prayer to God mm-hmm. before the situations yeah. to use me how yeah, I need how to be best. used. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that takes away from serving myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think also, though, until you've... <laughs> this is a horrible thing to say because I don't want anyone to have to go through this. But until you have it used... Not against you, but in mm-hmm. in your context, you don't realize how unhelpful it is. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, until it's been, I'll never forget going, you know, in the middle of going through a divorce, someone telling me, well, you know, I never really liked him anyways. And I was like, that's not helpful. Right. <laughs> how does that help me at all? So you're saying you never told me. So, okay. So you're saying I have Great. bad judgment. But, yeah. but I 100% had said that to friends about breakups and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know what, girl? Don't worry about it because I didn't like nah, him anyway. He was a loser. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That doesn't help no, anybody. It doesn't. No. But I did you're not like, know like, now it. the loser dumped me? What does that say about me? I don't know. So I, but no. I did not realize how unhelpful some of the things that I said were until... I had it happen to me. And then I went, oh my gosh, I will never say something like that again. And I'm still terrible at sitting with it. I don't sit with pain well with other people. Yeah. Especially if I care about the person. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to sit with pain. But I'm better at it now Mm -hmm. having experienced people not sitting 
with, with pain, the pain with you with me yeah right? and you experiencing what it is like mm-hmm. to having we're talking you know good friday's tomorrow yeah and the more that i lean into good friday the better easter feels to me yeah absolutely so it's just like we were talking about before like um there's a pat green song it's called crazy <laughs> and it has a quote in there that says life would be awfully boring if the good times were all that we had yeah. right and it's like you would only know rainbows and puppies Mm-hmm. And yeah. rainbows and puppies probably get pretty boring every day. <laughs> yeah. But if you don't always have rainbows and puppies, you're like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things she says a little before the triumphalism thing is that um, 40% of all the Psalms are laments. So, like, really sad, crying out to God, Whoa, anger. anger, sadness, all of the like lower end of the spectrum feelings. And then when they did a survey of, like, typical hymnals and, um, like, devotionals and stuff, only 13% of those even utilized laments in them. Yeah. Which most hymns are either created or inspired by psalms and other things from the Bible, like old ones. Um, and so isn't it's just kind of crazy to think about that, like, most of the psalms are... Yeah. Or not most, 40%. We're, that's not a majority. But, like, are sad. And we don't spend time there. And it, as I thought about all of the devotionals that I've read and stuff, only ones that I've bought really recently, like progressive ones that I think are trying really hard, mm-hmm. um, aren't, aren't just like, and good morning, it is the day that the Lord has made, and we are <laughs> glad in it. Yeah. You know, just like this whole... We just got yeah. church lady, actually. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> Just like you could well, see her face. No, that, <laughs> we we talked about that a little this morning. That I was yeah. saying, I feel like the church as a whole um, does a real disservice mm-hmm. to its people by having church almost have to be at a high, not high level intellectually, but a high level emotionally. Right. Mm-hmm. We've got to be up high. The positivity. The positivity. Like yeah. we always have to be high, high, high. The fact that there are only two services a year, with the exception of a blue Christmas service, if some mm-hmm. churches do those, there are only two services a year that we allow ourselves to sit with the sadness. Mm-hmm. And co- non-coincidentally, those are my two favorite services of the year, Monday, <laughs> Thursday, and Good Friday. Those yeah. are my absolute favorite services because I leave every year, even though it's the same story, it's mm-hmm. usually the same music, the same scripture. And every year I leave and I want to sit in my car in silence and just think. And every year I have tears in my eyes, even though I've heard it for now 34 years, because we don't ever just sit and contemplate you know, being down low, being in the depths, even though we are all there so often. Right. But when we're at church, we got to be up high positive all the time. When half the Bible is in the depths, half the Bible is lamenting, half the Bible is people calling out to God, needing God's comfort. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I feel so close to God when I leave those services too. Yeah, absolutely. Just completely, I don't know, my heart. It feels heavy, but like a good heavy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's like the feeling you get after meditation. Yes. Like, like kind of when you spend time with yourself a little mm-hmm. bit or you spend time kind of 
contemplating things. I mean, that's why I really like Tizay services. Yes. Meredith talked about that this I morning. Did. <laughs> I mean, not only do I love like a good chance to sit and like listen to like monk-like chanting, like oof, mm-hmm. I get so zenned out. But contemplative services like that are just, they stand out. And I'm glad we don't do them all the time, but I am, I do feel like, yeah, I could probably take two more. Absolutely. In a year. I talked about the the Monday Thursday service at another church that I used to go to where it was the same every year. It was a Tizay style service and it ended with singing, uh, stay with me, remain here with me, watch and pray. And I would leave in tears I heard it a million times before, but I would leave in tears because we all know what happens. The disciples don't stay with him. The disciples don't, you know, watch and pray. They fall asleep. And then we know what comes after that. And it just was so powerful. And just all I could think about was how many times have I abandoned Jesus? How many times have I neglected God? I just, ah, we need more of that. I agree, Mm -hmm. Ashley. I don't feel like we need it every Sunday, Mm -hmm. but more than twice a year. We do. And especially... I'm going to go on a soapbox about how we're too busy as Americans, Mm -hmm. but like we are too busy scrolling and our minds, we think we have to constantly keep them entertained. Mm -hmm. And so the more that we can have quiet and stillness, the more we're able to feel and see God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we just need to take some time outs. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. I mean, so I actually bought a, um, uh, a little, what would you call it, Meredith? Like, you know, the religious term of, oh. of like religious-y. candles. Oh, okay. So this came up a while ago and I couldn't remember the name of it. Uh-huh. It's, it's not it's an like altar. What they use. No, no. It's like a, but I remember somebody said candelabra and I was like, no, that's not right. But I don't remember what it is. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm going to look it up right now. Are they now. in front of the chapel right now? It's, no, it's like, a, is it like a set of them? It's a it's set of like, them. Um, basilica. Uh, they're in Catholic basilica churches. Basilica yes. candles. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so, so interesting you bring that up. I yes. know. So I bought one of those. Like, it's not. It is not specifically one of those. I actually got it on Amazon, and it's one of those ones that you're supposed to set in your fireplace instead of, like, you know, having logs. You have candles in there. Well, so I bought one during the pandemic because I don't know. I was I was dealing with a lot of anxiety and this, that, and the other. So anyways, I bought tea candles, tea lights, Mm -hmm. and um, instead of just praying, I would, anytime I prayed throughout the day, I'd get up and go light a candle. Mm -hmm. And it it sits in front of my TV and it just looks decorative. But whenever I have somebody on my mind, I just walk by and light a candle for them. Um, And it keeps me reminded. It's kind of like Lent where you give something up. Yeah. And it keeps me reminded of that all day. Yeah. Or however long the tea light lasts, which is usually like five hours mm-hmm. so it's pretty good i bought long-lasting tea lights yeah it's so weird you bring that up because mm-hmm. this morning i was running through these questions about when i've been like sad or angry at god and i was thinking of when i was in high school and i was still a practicing catholic mm-hmm. and i had my high school boyfriend from sophomore to senior year so we were together through a lot and very formative stuff um one evening my senior year he broke up with me Mm -hmm. and I was, I was destroyed. I was like, we had been there together and all I knew to do is I, it was 8 PM that night and I drove to the church Mm -hmm. and I lit a candle Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I felt better, Mm -hmm. but it was just like you were saying, there was something about, it's so weird. I haven't thought about that moment in forever, but yeah, it just was, it was calling me to do that almost. Mm -hmm. I like you, Kristen. When I was in college, I didn't grow up Catholic. Mm -hmm. I said before I grew up Lutheran. 
Um, but I did mention previously how I didn't go to church when I was in college. And part of it was that every church I went to, I felt like they offered me like this buddy Jesus, you know, like <laughs> Jesus is your pal and let's sing really, you know, upbeat music and always be happy. Mm-hmm. And I, that didn't resonate with me. That was not where I was. And so I start when I did go to church, which was very infrequently, I went to mass. Wow. I went to Catholic mass because I liked that there was quiet it's a little somber to it and it was somber Mm -hmm. so often now i don't want that every sunday now as an adult Mm -hmm. but when i was in college i wanted to feel part of something deeper than buddy jesus Mm -hmm. with a light show Mm -hmm. and that is not to belittle anybody for whom that is what they need that was not what i needed at that time Mm -hmm. um and it was the most um prayerful times that i had in those four years was going and lighting a candle and I'll admit I went to confession one time, which mm-hmm. is kind of ridiculous. And I I acknowledge that I don't think that is needed <laughs> mm-hmm. for my faith, but it was helpful yeah. in that moment because mm-hmm. I needed something that felt sacred. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's really cool. And you know, I think often people feel like we've intentionally or unintentionally created a culture of like where you have to match the energy. Mm-hmm. that the church is at at any one point yeah that's fair so when you walk in and it's like you know everybody's ready to be there and everybody's excited and the greeters like good morning woo, and you do feel like you have to be like hey great to see you mm-hmm. my whole you know i don't my know world's falling apart my whole world's but I'll falling fake apart <laughs> right and so when there's no other option you either stick out like a sore thumb <laughs> or right. you don't feel like you're in the space of where you currently are. So anyways, I, I think that that's why those things are valuable and practices that are valuable that you can do in your everyday life yeah. that are contemplative and you don't have to bring anything other than prayer or right an ask or yeah, whatever. And, and even here we have a chapel mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I go hang out in it um, quite often and I just turn off the lights and I just sit there in the dark mm-hmm. and I look at the um, beautiful stained glass window we have in there yeah and anyone's welcome to do that Mm -hmm. absolutely i do that too i've gone and sat in the sanctuary before too just in the very back when all the lights are off all by myself and it just Mm -hmm. you can just have a moment and i've scared the bejesus out of somebody one time (laughs) walked in in to do something and i was like don't mind me and they jumped a mile i was like i'm sorry (laughs) i'm just chilling i'm just chilling back here but but yeah, so it's it's good to sit in those moments. And uh, one of the quotes that she has near the end that was really impactful to me was, um, life is full of the sort of joys and sorrows that don't resolve neatly in a major key. God knows that, period. The Bible knows that, period. Why don't we? So I don't know why we feel like we have to put an exclamation point right. <laughs> on everything, but sometimes... I, I don't know. I just loved that line of God knows that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why don't we? Why don't we? Why don't we? So that was my favorite quote. Uh, did y'all have any you want to share before we wrap up from this chapter? Uh, I loved on page 104 where it says, God gave us the Bible. God did not give us an inter- internally consistent book of answers. God gave us an inspired library of diverse writings rooted in a variety of contexts that have stood the test of time, precisely because together they avoid simplistic solutions to complex problems. Mm. It's almost as though God trusts us to approach them with wisdom, use discernment as we read and interpret and remain open to other points of view. That's awesome. 
It's so interesting because I feel like, I mean, that's similar to what Ashley just highlighted and to even what I'm about to share. I, I highlighted the one on page 99 that says, God's children are invited into the whirlwind to cry out and question, to, ma- to demand and debate, and to consider the big questions of life without resting in easy answers. The Bible reflects the complexity and diversity of the human experience with all its joys and sorrow. Oh, it's so good. All of our quotes kind of wrapped back to this idea of like, there isn't a perfect answer. Trying to give one usually puts your foot in your mouth. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Beware the foot and mouth. Yeah, but you have to lean in and get those experiences to Mm -hmm. become wiser. And, you know, I don't think any of this says don't share wisdom either. No, No, you know, but real remembering that it's your own experience. Yes. And it's your own take on. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like this chapter uh, redeemed itself for me by the end. I don't know. I I feel much better talking about it with you guys. Well, we always do after we chat about it. Just like last week. That was a depressing chapter, but it felt much better. But honestly, like, you know, like I said, like when I was in the middle of reading Joe by myself, Mm -hmm. I was like done with the Bible. (laughs) Right. But now I'm like, all right. Mm-hmm. I yeah. got friends. We yeah. can get through this. Yes. <laughs> I did not get smoted. I did not. I no one got smite. <laughs> well, on that vote, guys, that's about how much time we have for today. Um, so we'll see y'all next week. We'll be reflecting on the beast and resistance stories next time. That's exciting. That All right, sounds, no. sounds awesome. Well, sounds very uh, rock Maybe and we roll. can draw what we think the beast looks like. Hey. Ooh. <laughs> Check out cumc.com backslash inspired for more details on this study. If you have any questions you want to ask or reflections or stories to share, please email me, Ashley, that's with an L-E-Y, at cumc.com. And we'll be excited to share them on our next episode. No one has sent us anything. I hope someone sends us something this week. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week. We're excited to see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this podcast episode as a part of the Christ United podcast ministry produced by Ashley Danner. You can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to view our full listing of podcast series, like subscribe and follow so that you don't miss a single message. Thanks for supporting us. Have a great week.